0: Hey there, what's up, Maga land, world, it's all a Maga world now, so anyway, thanks for almost 200k, and we are hot on the trail of Trump going to fucking jail, hot, hot, hot. on the, the trail, trail of Trumpy Von Schindler, Schindler going to fucking jail, motherfucker, um trump faces total defeat with crushing legal blows legal af three days
1: supervising trump's current federal indictment regarding mar-a-lago and all Uh, things espionage drew a line in the sand and said trial in august like christmas in july but better the department of justice (laughs) said we like where your head's at judge but december is more reasonable given the six terabytes of data and classified documents at the core of the case. And now the skipper and little buddy are heard from Trump and Walt Nauda with a filing this week uh-huh. in which they ask for an indefinite trial setting. Not until after they file motions to dismiss the, dismiss the indictment and teach the judge the law according to Trump regarding Presidential Records Act and the crimes charged. And certainly after the primary and presidential election season. So let's call it 2025. The court will make her decision on the 18th of July, and we discuss what we think will happen next. Hint: we may have a disagreement
0: between
1: the anchors on the show. 7/11 is usually a lucky date, but not for Trump in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, based on statements he made while president and at the CNN town hall in May. Just yesterday, two major events. The Department of Justice, after three years and two administrations, has told the parties and the court they're out and will no longer seek to protect Trump with presidential immunity for the defamatory statements he made while president against E. Jean Carroll. And they're Mm -hmm. exiting the case. And on the same day, E. Jean Carroll's lawyers filed a scathing motion to dismiss his defamation case against her as the victim of sex abuse because he wasn't a sex abuser. Uh, He was a sex abuser, not a rapist. That's his defense. So, uh, and based on statements that she made on CNN, will the judge dismiss Trump's retaliatory suit against E. Jean Carroll this summer? And what does it mean Should. to the trial now that Trump can be sued and has no immunity for his comments that he made while he just happened to be uh, president of the United States at the time? Finally, Georgia peaches aren't the only thing in season. Georgia indictments by the Fulton Folk- <laughs> County DA in Atlanta are in season two. Pauli Willis just sat her grand jury of 26 Fultonians to start their work on Tuesday with a target window of August 11th through September 1st to get an indictment against Trump. How many make up a quorum in a grand jury? And how many are needed to vote to indict? Why are there two grand juries in place? Why do we see pictures of the grand jury now? And what about the special purpose grand jury report and indictment recommendations from March? All this and oh so much more on the midweek edition of Legal AF, only on the Midas Touch Network, with your anchors Michael Popok and Karen Friedman-Ignifolo. Sizzling indictment summer may be the reason that the Earth's global collective temperature set a record this week. Karen, thoughts?
2: <laughs> it's, uh you know, I'm feeling very
1: patriotic because, you know, I, I feel kind
2: of wrapped in the flag right now. You know, I, I was walking, I wanted to go for a walk before this, this podcast and get my head cleared and kind of just get myself ready. And as I was going for a walk, uh, a neighbor of mine got sick and we had to call 911 and uh, an ambulance came and just watching public, like heroes, truly absolute heroes. They come, they come in an emergency. These are people who devote their life to helping people. They come and they help you and they, they're nice. And they're just, it just makes me feel very kind of warm and fuzzy inside. And, you know, I, I really... Whether, whether it's police or fire or, you know, EMS or who, to me, those are the people who are the heroes of our country and who need to be celebrated. Just the exact opposite of the people we're about to talk about, Donald Trump and all of his MAGA, America-hating, you know, they want to just steal our democracy. But it just, it made me feel so good about people and about just, just the heroes,
1: yeah, it, it's, it, people are going to think this is weird, even though you and I are in the same city. We had a very similar event happen, unfortunately, a couple of weeks ago in front of my office um, in Murray Hill in New York, where we sport a giant American flag that proudly waves. Um, my office administrator had to help in an emergency basis a man who had seized, had a seizure, in the middle of the street on 38th Street, and waited, and he, he lost teeth and hitting his head on the ground. And she sat with him, he didn't know where he was, he was out, old for most of it. And we waited for EMS, and the fire department, and the police department to come. And a, lot of, and a lot of Manhattan people and tourists and others came to his rescue and right. sat with her as well. And that was an amazing, heartwarming thing. Although there was one moment that was like out of a Fellini film, a woman in full clown makeup Got out of a car to come over to assist, which gave it a whole nother. only in New York yeah, You know, that's moment. Manhattan.
2: That's what that's New York what is great right about New York, is right. you, you can be anything here. You can love who you want. You that's can right. marry who you want. And we all live together and get along. It doesn't matter what color your skin is or any, anything else. We all come together. And that's why I love New York. You know, New York's not perfect. I'm not from New York originally. And sometimes, you know, it can be challenging. But the reason I'm here and I've stayed here and, and, and worked here and raised my kids here and here my whole adult life is because of the people. Yeah. It's because the people who are here are diverse. They're interesting. And they all come together and live together and accept each other. And it's what's beautiful about New York.
1: Yeah, which is so weird that we're going to be talking throughout today's podcast about people like Rudy Giuliani, who used to be the mayor of this great metropolis, yeah. and boy, have the have the uh, have he fallen? And we'll talk about all that when we get to Georgia. And Donald
2: Trump used to be was from here too. I can't believe yeah. you know.
1: He's from and he was hatched. No, he wasn't no, really okay. from yeah. a, from anywhere. He's from a spaceship. But but uh, let's talk about Donald Trump and Walt Nauta, the skipper and little buddy, for those that are Gilligan's Island fans, um, and the Mar-a-Lago proceedings that are going on, um, and and where are we with it? So I'll kind of give the highlights, the the five thousand foot level, and then we'll dive in with our uh, resident former prosecutor Karen Freeman Ignatilo. So. Uh, the, the court had set a long time ago, at least at the end of June, a hearing that was going to be on July the 14th for both NAUTA and Trump and their lawyers to talk about a few things. One, a proposed trial date. The judge having, as I said in the opening, the judge having drawn the line in the sand and said, all right, Speedy Trial Act and constitutional right to a fast trial. How about August? We'll do August. And then (laughs) I think that even caught the the Department of Justice a little bit by surprise. And they said, well, we're ready. The defense isn't going to be ready by August because we're about to dump on them about seven terabytes of data. (laughs) Just to put a little fine point on that, in a recent government filing, where they gave the sheer... Oh, no, it was actually in the filing by Donald Trump. I'm going to correct myself here. They listed what the government is giving them. And it's 430,000 records comprised of 833,000 pages of documents, 305,000 additional documents, uh, documents coming from 90 custodians of record, 90 different sources, 57 raw hours of closed Closed circuit TV footage, Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 up to um, fifth. I said six. It's fifty-seven terabytes of information, which for those that don't know, know, that's a lot. That's like multiple servers worth of just (laughs) data that's coming to (laughs) them. So based on that, the government said, you know what? Let's do December. December, a very canny choice, because as I as you were you and I were talking to our producer Salty tonight. first primary for the Republicans is January. So this would be before Uh, the primaries. Let's get this trial going. Um, Mm -hmm. And let's not even worry about the March 2024, several months later, trial up in New York uh, related to (laughs) Donald Trump. Let's not worry about the October civil fraud case up in New York. We'll do December. That seems to be a lane that we can occupy. And the, uh, as expected, um, I think uh, Ben Micellis, our co-anchor and, and colleague, put it best. They were going to ask for 2025. And they basically have. They said, Judge, there's so many complicated issues here. We're going to have to teach you. Remember the way we taught you last time related to when we asked you to stop the criminal investigation in its tracks and you got slapped by the 11th Circuit, your bosses on the appellate court twice? Remember that? Remember when we misled you about the law? Well, we're going to do it again this is my words not theirs and uh... we're gonna teach you about the presidential records act which by the way is not applicable and the espionage <laughs> act and all the crimes and how they fit together p.s. they don't fit together um, and so we're gonna confuse you and we're gonna play that game and maybe we'll file a motion to dismiss so it's really premature and this is a candidate for office and joe biden runs the doj and so let's call the whole thing off yeah, i mean <laughs> i'm giving you a summary but that's basically what's in the papers and um, of course, we're waiting on the Department of Justice. Usually, they're lickety split. We get a filing from them with like within hours. They already have it like ready to go in the computer, pre-prepared. <laughs> okay, did they file? Okay, uh, filed. Let's file ours. So that's going to come in the next day or two, and Ben and I will cover that on Saturday. And then you have the judge agreeing to push the hearing off until the 18th, where she's going to do two things. She's going to discuss this trial setting process, whether she does or she doesn't set it, and then she needs to have a required classified information procedures act um, hearing, a CIPA, C-I-P-A hearing, to talk about everybody getting their their security clearances in place and how they're gonna use documents and share documents, who's gonna have access to those kind of classified documents, what are they gonna do at trial, so that everybody's better informed about how to put on this trial and do depositions uh, or or any kind of statements under oath uh, between now and and the time of trial uh, before the trial setting. That's why you usually have a trial setting, so you work backwards from there. But Aaron, prosecutor, you got a different view about all this. Tell our audience.
2: So let's just talk about in general how cases work when you're in court. Uh, there are we've now we've seen the arraignment, right, where you are told what your charges are and, and whatever
0: step for prize Trump for prison
2: the bail is that is supposed to will or will not be set or release conditions and then there then there's also at the end a trial okay but there's a lot that goes on in between and those are adjournments or court appearances, and in criminal cases, that is usually uh, ones that require the defendant to be present, unlike civil cases, which I, you don't necessarily need to have. And so there are these adjournments, and they can be for all sorts of reasons. They can be uh, for to just update the judge. They can be to ask something of the judge. They can be to have hearings. They can be for all sorts of reasons. and. And there are different ways that that can work in a case. So civil, for example, this is criminal, but in civil cases, normally the way they do it is they set a trial date and then they work backwards and have all the dates in between of when things are due. You know, this motion is due and this piece of paper is due or depositions have to be done or discovery has to be done. And if you want to change those dates, it's all kind of preset. There's like this, you know, calculator that sets the dates. If you want to change them, you ask permission for the court. In state court in New York, the way it works is after the arraignment, they just adjourn it to the next date for the next thing without any thought about trial or what's going to be in the future. There's no sort of mapping out the whole case of, okay, the trial will be on this date and let's work backwards. Let's do motions here and hearings here and et cetera. So in state court, like I said, after arraignment, they will adjourn it for the next procedural thing that has to happen. And there's different things that milestones that you have to reach to get to the next step but it, it, you don't know when the trial is going to be because you have no idea how long those procedural things are going to take and in federal court criminal however it's a different tradition the tradition criminally in federal court because that's really what this is it's 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 kind of the custom or the tradition of how courts typically do things is they typically do set a trial date a re- and, and it can be moved, but at least it's a goal. And it's a goal towards what you think, uh, what, when you think it's going to be. Now, in state court also, trial dates rarely mean anything, right? You set it for trial. A case can be on for trial three, four, five, six times. You know, I'm not ready because my witness didn't show up or the defense, defense attorney says I'm on trial federal court's not like that. A trial date is a trial date is a trial date. And so you are going to be ready both sides on that date, uh, unless you have explicit permission from the court, but it's much more serious and it's much more fixed in stone. And so here, what's going on is, uh, as, as you put it, um, Jack Smith is saying it's realistic that this will be ready in December. And the defense team, all all of the defendants, lawyers, so both Walt Nauta and Donald Trump's lawyers all said, there's no p- way we can be ready by December. And they list all the reasons why, you know, we don't even have our security clearances yet. You know, we haven't even but, P.S., they haven't even filled out the paperwork yet. And, you know, there's a little game going on here, I think, uh, where where Walt Nada is is doing Trump's bidding by um, asking, you know, asking for these little adjournments like, you know, oh, I, I can't I, I, I don't have a lawyer. I can't be arraigned. OK, put it over. Well, I couldn't make it to the arraignment because my flight was canceled. And so put it over again you know, well, I have a lawyer, but, you know, she just got here, so she can't possibly be ready by July 14th, you know, and so then they all agreed, okay, how about July 18th is when this hearing is going to be, and, you know, Some people might say, oh, it's only four days. You know, what difference does it make? But those small adjournments add up. And it's sort of death by a thousand cuts that I think they're trying to do, because the more they can push it towards the election, even if it's four days here, two weeks there, three weeks there, you know, these little tiny, "Ah, we're not asking for that much. We'll just put it over. You're eventually going to get into dangerous territory. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. And I think what's going to happen here uh, is, you know, they're, they're giving all these excuses, right, about why they can't possibly be ready. Um, you know, this is, you know, there's so many legal questions that are significant and a first impression. You know, the, as you said, the president, you know, the Presidential Records Act and criminal statutes have never been addressed by any court. Or, you know, we're going to question the authority of the special counsel. You know, this, this kind of thing. And so the question is, what is? In, and we'll go into that in more detail. Um, about because i think it, it's worth going into these in more detail but i just want to answer your specific question of what you what i think that um, eileen cannon's going to do and i think she's going to punt i don't think she wants to get criticized by making the decision sure i'll put this over you know until um until you know whenever um, because we're going to get too close to to the election but i think she'll say look you know You guys haven't even this 57 terabytes worth of data of discovery that's been turned over by your own admission, government, you haven't even turned everything over yet. And we haven't gotten the security clearances yet. And we don't even know what we're going to do with these classified documents yet. So I'm going to, I'm not going to make a decision yet. And I'm going to put, I'm going to punt it and, and we'll see how we do. And she's going to just keep you know, little by little, and they're going to try to, they're death by a thousand cuts. They're going to push it, push it, push it. And then eventually they're going to, he's, they're going to say, well, you know, he's the nominee and he can't possibly, you know, he has to be at this primary or he has to be given this speech, his first amendment rights. You know, you're going to infringe on them by not ha- allowing him to, by interfering with his rights to run for office, et cetera. So I think she's going to punt. That's, that's what I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Popok? <laughs> Back to you, Popok. Um, well, a couple of things. One, we went through a process like this under the state court proceeding um, court court. procedures that you outlined earlier with Judge Mershon, who's handling a criminal case of almost as many counts, 34 counts, or as one of the uh, cheeky pro-democracy uh, websites like to say, with a list of presidents, former presidents with zeros next to their name for the amount of felonies they've been charged with, and then ending with Trump 71. Marshawn, um, you know, he put it in March. He said, you you want it in the middle of a election season, in a primary season? You're, okay, <clears throat> I'm not going to do it before, I'm not going to do it after. But we know this Eileen Cannon, to your point, you know, has bent over backwards and thinks that she has some sort of Person with special properties in front of her because he was the former president and now is the likely nominee for his party. I, I choke every time I come out with that. Once again, to my friends, and, the, and I have Republican oh friends, this is the best you can do. Be twice impeached, multiply indicted, a judge, sex abuser. This is your candidate. Okay. Putting that aside for a moment, um, we know. Where her head was at how easily distracted
0: the judges handling his cases, especially Jack Smith. Motion to disqualify RSVP
1: acted, and she took her eye off the ball of the law when they ran into court a different set of lawyers for Trump at the time, ran into court to try to stop the criminal investigation and the search warrant in its tracks. And she she made some comments in her rulings. <clears throat> Pardon me, everybody. In which she said, oh, oh he's special. These my words. He's special. He's former president. We have to treat former president differently, with kick gloves. He gets weak. I have to bend over backwards as federal judge. I don't know why I'm talking like Tarzan, but, but this is sort of <laughs> the root of the rudimentary observations this judge made all wrong by the way and then she was reprimanded and reproached by the 11th circuit her bosses in two separate panels that said i don't know what you're talking about but your role in a criminal investigation is very limited and you've crossed those lines and those boundaries and you're doing weird things stop it and the search warrant goes forward and and if there's an indictment issue and a suppression of the evidence issue you'll deal with that at another time if and when there's ever an indictment well now there's an indictment but we kind of know that her compass is already a little bit screwy a little bit cracked and they're exploiting that these two new lawyers for donald trump chris Keiss and todd blanche knowing that they misled her or the other lawyers led her astray last time she's easily misled you're gonna try it again judge presidential records act really complicated stuff judge it intersects it doesn't by the way with the espionage act it it only does in trump's mind because he keeps saying it does it doesn't he's not being charged with criminal violations of the presidential records act he's being charged with with compromising national defense information NDI and using it in places like Bedminster his golf course to show off to friends and family to make his point showing Iranian war maps I a presidential record, but they're going to try to confuse her. Shiny object, Judge, look over here. And uh, it's so complicated, Judge, we can't even really get to our motion to dismiss the indictment and and dispositive motions to get rid of it under the Presidential Records Act application for months.
0: Top, First of all, why? Plan.
1: This is July. He doesn't know. start his campaign in really earnest really? until the primaries in January. He's already told people he's not going to the Fox News debate. He hates Fox News right now. He fell out of favor with them. You know, he picks and chooses which of these crazy events he goes to. You know, moms Christian moms and moms for liberty and mothers for justice and all these made up grassroots grassroots places where he basically has to pay people to attend and, and, and yell his name. And so he you know, as other judges in the federal system have have noted, and we just had a ruling by uh, Judge Amy Coney uh, by You can see I got the the three judges, three names wrong by Amy Berman Jackson. Sorry, everybody, uh, a a democratically appointed judge in the D.C. Circuit, who said in the case involving Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who got canned for expressing his First Amendment rights that Trump is corrupt while he was working on the FBI investigation of the Russia collusion project for Mueller in his civil suit against government and everybody else for getting canned. He wants to depose Donald Trump. Donald Trump, you know, and even the Department of Justice said, well, maybe not maybe not the former president at this moment. Amy Berman Jackson said, well, I've looked at your trial calendar. You're giving depositions up in civil cases up in New York, and you're sitting for them in the class action fraud case that's been brought against you and your family, and a civil fraud case, and a defamation case. You look like you yeah. have time to sit for a deposition here. So not every federal judge treats him with this, this, you know, this effect, this this halo effect, um, the way that the way that Cannon used to, I'm 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 the jury's out a little bit about what she's going to do on the eighteenth. But having listened to you, I told you I wasn't quite sure what I was going to say on the podcast. I think you're right. I think she's not going to set a date far out. She's going to punt. She's gonna say, let's let let me set a status conference. Let me everybody check your calendars. Let's set a control date of uh let's all get to back together in November or December and let's see where we are with this with the conference the classified documents and the security clearances and the exchange you know the documents that, that you've given over to to the defense and the motion practice well we'll set some motion practice dates and deadlines and then we'll I'll decide in December or January or whoever about the trial date now for those in our chat that are jumping up and down that she's corrupt she's going to make the terrible decision we need to take an appeal yeah. it's going to be very difficult and the DOJ knows this to appeal a a, a ruling, a decision by the judge about which date for the trial. That's not appellate grounds. Judges are given tremendous autonomy and discretion to set and control trials. Especially if she list.
2: doesn't make a decision.
1: That's their number one job. Right. Well the decision not to set a trial date is making a decision about the trial date. And that's gonna that's gonna be an abusive discretion standard. The DOJ is never going to win that on an appeal, so we're going to be stuck. So that's why I've come back around, Karen, to your view that the safest place for her, both of Pease, people on the, on the far political right, and whoever else, is to just say, let's reconvene in November or December, and uh, we'll, we'll let everybody check our calendars. And the Department of Justice is going to be like, okay, great, they're going to have to do it because there's no place else to go on the trial-setting issue it sits with the trial judge and you can't get her bosses at the 11th circuit to overturn her
2: they so will not- ben- they, the department of justice will jack smith's people will bend over backwards though to Absolutely, give them everything as soon as possible to point out to them exactly what they're going to, what, what, where the relevant, you know, it, there's, there's nine months worth of, of CCTV tape, is, is how they call it, right? Not, so, you know, they were saying there's nine months worth of video. How can we possibly watch all that so quickly? They will point out, okay. You know, it's all. This is nighttime. Nothing's yeah, yeah, yeah. happening from right, right. It's, it's this time to this. Yes, <laughs> down to the hour. And you know, and look, and and that's what what prosecutors do a lot is they'll say this is the only. This is the stuff that I'm going to be using at trial. This is what's relevant. But you know, defense attorneys regularly what they do is they watch everything else. They look at everything else. You know, the the 31 documents that that Jack Smith wants to, you know, the classified documents that that are going to be the subject of the. CP a hearing, you know, those are going to be, you know, that's, that's going to be very interesting because Jack Smith has already culled down the documents that he thinks, uh, both that, that that are in the sweet spot of, okay, these these are national defense information documents, right? So NDI, so it pursuant to the Espionage Act statute that doesn't require it to be classified, just that it requires it to be national defense information. Uh, and it's not so secret that even if... You know, even if it comes out at trial, it's okay because really, that's what's that's what's going to happen at the SEPA hearing is they're going to establish what are the um, what are the the procedures that we need to put put in place to keep these documents safe, you know, and and secret. And sometimes what they do is they'll say, okay, the jury can see it, but but it won't be public, you know, so the public can't see it, but the jury can, the defendant can, uh, so they can make their decision. The The defense has already signaled in their papers that they're going to object to that. They want everything public. They think that, you know, defendants have a right, and they do have a due process right to uh, an open and and public trial. And I, I'm sure the gov- the the, new, the press is also going to make motions saying, no, we want to see it too. And I'm sure Jack Smith is smart enough to have already uh, thought of that. And so even if these 31 documents um, come in and everyone gets to see them, I think that that's going to, I think he's already made that determination that that will be okay. The problem with that, however, is a couple of things. Number 1, you know, the the argument the defense is going to make is well either it's national defense information or it's not. If it's if it's not that if it's not that secret, if it's not that big of a deal, then actually it's not that big of a deal that everyone that, that he had it and that he kept it, you know? So you, you say that this is, you know, the espionage act, this is so dangerous, but here, it, you know, here it is, the New York times published it because it was a matter of public record. And I think that, you know, you only need the, he only needs one juror to buy that argument, but it's an argument that I think is a pretty good one.
1: Uh, that Why do you, know, you think, well, hold it. Why do you think the government, why do you think the department of justice is going to just not try to protect all the NDI? Because you have three levels of things here, just to be clear for the audience. Espionage Act is not based on top secret or classified. We like talking about it in shorthand, because ever since we were kids, we've known what top secret and classified is, like Boris and Natasha for the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. You know, like a folder, Acme top secret, we get it. But for Espionage Act, it doesn't require... That somebody takes, retains, disseminates, uses, discloses, or whatever, top secret and classified. The classification system doesn't matter at all. The reason for that is the Espionage Act was passed before there was a classification system. So it certainly could not have related to that. And Congress never made a change related to it. All that's required is national defense information ndi which has only been defined through a series of cases and case law about it that big pile of documents that donald trump talks about on the bedminster audio recording you know where he whips out the iranian um you know war map or whatever it was it starts unfurling it you can hear it and people Ooh, ha, mm, i'll have a coke you know remember that that audio that is ndi and other things probably in that pile are too if i'm the prosecutor why don't you just say everything is ndi everything has to have protection at the at the moment from from prying eyes of the public sorry we have to put it all under sepa otherwise you're right does it I think they, I think they the are gonna, yeah.
2: they are going to they are going to say that yeah. but i think judge Cannon potentially is going to rule otherwise now the government can appeal that uh, yes. to the 11th circuit trump cannot yes yeah. and Fast track
1: appeal.
2: Right, but the government's going to have to decide at a certain point. Do you want a trial? Right. Do we want to have a trial? And if they appeal it, there's you're again death by a thousand cuts. Right. That fast track, even a fast track appeal that can go up to the Supreme Court. By the way, you know even that can take weeks. If you know it's, it's. probably not days. And so again, that's going to just be a strategic question that the government's going to have to decide, do we want a trial or not? And you know, the funny thing is, to me, this is a little on its head. Because if, if I were the government, or if I were Trump, I'm not sure I'd be so afraid of a trial in this case. I mean, the fact that he drew Eileen Cannon, forget her, If she has this trial in Fort Pierce, right, if she has it in Fort Pierce and they draw the jurors from her five counties that are all red, including Okeechobee County, which voted 72 percent for Trump, he has a great chance of pulling a jury that has at least one person. Who will hang that jury? So I am not a hundred percent sure. Like if I were canon I would probably push the case and push it for Trump. Let the jurors do the bidding for her. You know, okay, let's just get this yeah. trial out there. Let's get these. Do- I'm going to say these documents. I'm going to call your bluff, government. We're going to get it. I'm going to put some red meat jurors on there. Let him. Let him actually run for president, saying, "See, it was a witch hunt. I was acquitted. It was a you know." But, she-
1: but there's an in- there's an thing here that we're missing having practiced in the Southern District of Florida. It, it, no, I'm not, I'm not calling you out because I'm just telling you.
2: It's okay, you. go ahead, I want there, you to.
1: There's a reason that the final decision about where the trial is going to take place has not been decided yet, and that's gonna be in consultation with Judge Altenaga, who's the chief judge of the entire Southern District who sits down in Miami. We, we, we speculate as to why the arraignment took place there. A Miami grand jury that used to be a West Palm grand jury, but because, you know, there, as far as I know, there's no SCIF, which is a place to go look at classified documents in Fort Pierce. I know there isn't. I don't believe there's one in West Palm. There is one in Miami that's next to the Miami courthouse. So be careful what you ask for. If they're too smart by half and they go, gosh darn it, let's have an entire jury, jury pool of Okeechobee County, is the sugarcane capital of Florida, right at where that? When you take a shot of Florida from space and you look down, you see that big hole that's in Florida, right? That's the Everglades. That's where Okeechobee County is, and and but they're worried. They're worried that you know the rug gets pulled out from them because you're right. If they're 100% sure and they're not that this could take place in Fort Pierce, where the Fort Pierce jury, let's go. Well let's have let's have a trial. We're gonna get at least three Trumpers in there if we do it there. But they're not sure. And if it moves to West Palm, it's not a Trump place. Even though it pulls from Palm Beach County. Palm Beach County is it went heavily Biden, Clinton, Obama, Fort Lauderdale, worse, and Miami. But but Miami picks up some red again. It it really you know, it's a weird it's, you know, Southern district of New York is so much easier to talk about than the Southern District of Florida. But that's that. I think is the reason that they're yeah. worried that Altanaga at the last minute goes. You know, who can't handle this case? Court system in Fort Pierce. Let's all come down to Miami. She'll come. She'll. We'll give her a. Hotel. We'll buy, We'll rent her an apartment. Judge uh, Judge Cannon, you can stay down here. We'll do the jury here. We have the security. We've got everything right here. Let's do. It. And then they're then they're effed. Except trump's lawyers might say <laughs>
2: i want my it's fine i don't care where it is but i want the same trial i would have had so you're going to bust jurors in from there which oh. they do in other jurisdictions
1: you think they're going to bust them down a hundred miles you know what day?
2: They They do it in another juris. they do it in
1: another jurisdiction busing in that, florida it's happened before <laughs> you know so
2: i i just don't know um but anyway i i just think that it's it's to me, the world is a little bit upside down because yeah. if I'm Jack Smith, I push this trial. We'll see how it goes. And I go for it. I would I would get in there with, you know, whether it's a Bedminster case, whether it's get the Jan 6 case going. And I would push for a better judge, a better jury. I mean, the worst the worst thing that happens is a trial and an acquittal or a hung jury. I think that's worse than well, putting
1: the I, trial off. I think we're going to start if, if you and I and Ben are right. We've we've been known to be occasionally right. If we're right, this is a portfolio theory for for Jack Smith. He doesn't have he doesn't have where's my finger He doesn't have one indictment. He has two three. One could be in New Jersey related to Bedminster bad stuff. One could be in District of Columbia which is where all the grand jury all the grand juries have been related to Jan 6 and everything that happened from the Ellipse to the White House, the dining room to the assault on democracy that's all That's all DC, that doesn't belong in Miami. Just, there is no way in heck that the indictment that we know is coming any minute now Any? there's this calm before the storm again We thought, you thought last week, I thought definitely this week, somewhere in July, especially now that Fawny Willis, and we'll talk about it coming up next, Fawny Willis has her her Fulton County uh, grand jury seated. Somewhere in there, there's going to be multiple indictments in different venues against Donald Trump. And is he going to run the table, Donald Trump, and win all of them, including D.C. and New Jersey? I doubt it. But one last thing I want to mention to you, Karen, I don't know if you saw the poll, but there is a poll out most Americans, meaning all Democrats and a handful of Republicans, want to see the trial happen, not only before the presidential election, before the primary, which is very interesting. 57% of Americans believe that it should be before the primaries, and 62% think it should be before the election. Even 42% of Republicans think that. So that's very, very interesting. I'm not sure Canon's reading these polls, but that's very, very interesting. We're going to talk next about um, Trump definitely having terrible a terrible day in court. Two bad things happened to him on 7-Eleven in New York um, in the E. Jean Carroll defamation case. And, and Karen and I are going to talk about that and then talk about Georgia is on our mind for good reason with the seating of the, of the new, the real indicting grand jury Uh, down
0: in Georgia. But first, a word from our sponsors. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew exactly if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with just the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs, and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family are down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something pretty cool. My wife, she recently started gardening, and we've been able to use the dirt that Lomi produces to help fill the garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste and I had basically a limitless supply of dirt for my garden the other week I had my in-laws over for dinner and the food cleanup process was such a breeze plus they all think I'm super eco-conscious now if you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier Lomi is perfect for you head to Lomi.com slash legal AF and use the promo code legal AF to get fifty dollars off your Lomi that's fifty dollars off when you head to lomi.com slash legalaf and use promo code legalaf at checkout, food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can.
1: you have all heard the famous line try it free for 30 days. Yeah, well, that's just enough time to try it and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realizing it. Rocket money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for the ones you don't use. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need rocket money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them, like that Starz app just to watch one show, or that free gaming trial you never actually use. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you, and for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit Cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash That's rocketmoney.com slash legal af green chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean feel your best with delicious nutritionist approved recipes featuring clean ingredients with no artificial colors sweeteners high fructose corn syrup and limited added sugar and processed ingredients choose from recipes featuring lean proteins like turkey sockeye salmon barramundi tilapia scallops and shrimp Certified organic whole fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and plenty of whole grain options. Eat the clean, easy way with recipes that help manage your weight and support your wellness goals without skimping on flavor. Feel your best this summer with seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. Also, Green Chef is the only meal kit that has both carbon and plastic offset. Green Chef offsets 100% of the delivery admissions to your door, as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas of the U.S. Green Chef delivers everything you need to eat clean the easy way this summer. Feel your best with nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great, too. I love Green Chef. My absolute favorite is the spicy chicken and broccoli stir-fry. Delicious. Go to greenchef.com legalaf50 and use code legalaf50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com legalaf50 and use code legalaf50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. You know what's a hard word to say when you have to say it six times in an ad read? I never thought I had a problem saying the word subscription, until I had to say it six times. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the life of a podcast host, or somebody called it recently, uh, oh, you're LawTube. I said, we're LawTube? I didn't even know that was a thing. Apparently, lawyers on YouTube is LawTube, and there's a whole subculture related to it. Well, really? Whatever it is, yeah, whatever it is, I think we're – because of the Midas might mighty and the legal efforts, I think we're at the top of the law tube chain. I hope we are. <laughs> um, one of the things that our producer reminded me when we were talking about that calm before the storm, which you so accurately used several, about a month or two ago to say, you know, we haven't heard a lot about. <laughs> we haven't heard a lot about grand jury work related to uh, Jack Smith at that moment. And I bet you he's probably making his presentation to Merrick Garland, which he has to do before he gets his indictment. And boy, were you right. Now, we have, for a while, like two weeks ago, like, you know, Rudy went in for a queen for the day proffer. I always loved Rudy as a queen for the day. It's just completely, you know, he gave his proffer with his limited immunity, and a couple of other witnesses went in, and then there was silence. Now we have reporting this week that the grand jury met, but no witnesses showed up. That's interesting, because why does a grand jury meet if it's not there to hear testimony? Now, there could be a records custodian who slipped in there. They could be doing documents. They could be doing some other type of presentation They could have voted <laughs> <laughs> or they could have voted on an indictment. Exactly. And um, so that's where we are. You know, we're trying to we're trying to read. You know, there there are just and Aaron, I know you have it because I have it. You have alarm clocks that are just baked into your DNA as being a trial lawyer that just go off at different times. It's just a level of, of feel, of touch and feel about cases. And we have it here that we apply to the cases that you and I follow at that intersection of law and politics. And things like no phone ringing sometimes is as important as a phone ringing. Right.
2: You know, you want to know what I thought. What sure. I thought of, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about uh, Rudy Giuliani and whether or not he's flipped on Trump, mm-hmm. and uh, we're not sure, right? And so, but we do know he went in, and he, his um, his lawyer said it was entirely voluntary. And so, let's talk about what it would mean if he were to flip and and I'll tell you, and then you'll understand why I'm saying this. So if he were to flip, which means he would cooperate with the government and he was clearly a target. He's clearly committed lots of crimes and he is going to be prosecuted. I would imagine. So for him to, to flip, he's not just a witness. He's a, a, um, you know, a, a, defendant i guess not quite yet but you know a target and he'd have to uh, plead guilty and he would have to admit to all the things he's done and and really tie up all loose ends and that's what they make you do in order to cooperate so we heard this week that he's working on a settlement, civil, but he's working on a settlement in the Shea Moss, Ruby Freeman, uh, remember the mother-daughter duo who, you know, who ended up suing him for defamation because he and Trump and others accused them of, you know, taking out suitcases of, of votes and they got death threats and all this stuff. And, and we heard this week that, that that's in, uh, they're very close to a settlement. Um, so I think that that means he's wrapping things up and uh, he's going to flip and cooperate. Well,
1: well, except for one, I have to cut in. <laughs> Cause I just, I have a hot take running right now on the on the Midas touch network. It looks like the settlement fell through because in the filings that, that, that the lawyer, which I was gonna, we can talk about it. the lawyers for Shea Moss and Ruby Freeman, the mother daughter team, that were so mercilessly defamed by Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and everybody else claiming that they were committing voter fraud and stealing ballots and feeding in Chinese ballots into the Fulton County, Atlanta, when they were doing nothing of the sort. They were just counting ballots and putting already counted ballots properly in another pile under the desk in a locked case, which is what they're supposed to do. But in the motion for sanctions and to seek a... Uh, Default judgment against Rudy Giuliani, which is what they've now done, claiming that he has not participated at all, Rudy, in meaningful discovery in the last 18 months. He's produced next to nothing um, and has claimed that he's lost it all or never had it or, or whatever. They've moved for the death penalty for him and civilly to have the case dismissed against him. In it, they said, we thought we had a settlement. But he walked away from the settlement in the last couple of days. And I said in the hot take, because he's both cheap and stupid. I would, I agree with you. Or he walked away from it because he doesn't care, because he's going he's to be going to jail soon. I've always said that Rudy Giuliani definitely is going to get indicted. Whether he cuts a deal or not, that's a different story. And if he flips, along with Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's time as a free man on planet Earth is coming to a precious few. Because... You know, I've never seen an array of people at the level of knowledge and culpability that are, and, and lawyers that are coming out against one defendant more than Donald Trump. I mean, look, there. I said to somebody recently, the amount of evidence, witnesses... Lawyer, ex-lawyers, and documents, and video evidence, and audio evidence, and notes, contemporaneous that are that are now amassed in a raid against Donald Trump. It reminds me of like the parting line. Not, hopefully, it's not a spoiler alert because the the season's over. It's like the parting line in Succession, And when Shiv looked at the mausoleum that now housed her her, her departed father and said, "I'm curious to see how he gets out of this one." Same thing here curious to see how Donald Trump gets out of this much evidence the mountain of evidence against him and he'll have to run the t- you may be right he'll get a hung jury here or there but he's going to have to run the table in four or five different criminal prosecutions All right? and i think that's that is not only next to impossible that is impossible
2: that's why he doesn't want a trial that's why he's trying to put these things <laughs> off right. no it's true i mean that his his entire his entire um, strategy is delay, 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 you know, hopefully get the nomination, even maybe get, you know, become president and that, and then, you know, he'll either pardon, he'll for sure pardon Walt Nada, which is what his strategy is stick, stick with him, get him elected and he'll pardon me. And, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, let's just push this all off. And then when I'm president, no one can do anything, you know, state I can't, they can't Gotta
1: be president.
2: And just, this is what's in his mind. <laughs> yes, this is what he's thinking. And so that's what he's hoping, it, Hoping is, is put, it off, Bo- put it off, put it off,
1: put it off. Boogie has a better chance of becoming president of the United States Boogie.
2: Than he's such a good boy. He's such a good
1: boy. Boogie and Lily. Lily, can, My Lily can be the first lady. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Boogie. But let's talk about um, clearing the air here. We'll get back to some serious matters and serious jeopardy for Donald Trump in the E. Carroll case. E. Jean Carroll, yeah. some, some people might be rubbing their eyes and their ears going, Can we already do this? She won, yes, she did win. she won the egene it's weird because she won the Jean Carroll two case because the Jean Carroll one case was put on ice while some issues related to immunity and scope of employment for Donald Trump, who was at one time employee badge number one for the federal government as the president while that was going on, the judge says, yeah, that's interesting. But why don't we talk about and do a trial?" On things he said when, against her when he wasn't president, because we can do that right now. And that was Judge uh, that was Judge Lewis Kaplan, and uh, I think that was a shock to um, then um, the, the the mastermind superhero um, lawyer Alina Haba. Now a spokesperson. Now been kicked upstairs, and is a full time spokesperson. Uh, and Joe Tacopino, who came in three or four months before the trial to take over, basically because they were like, "Well, huh? Um, Do we have to wait?" Like, "No, we're not going to wait." So that trial went forward, and uh, in, in a Southern District of New York federal case, the federal federal jury being pulled from all different places around you know Manhattan and the boroughs and Westchester and that kind of thing, and six men and three women you now found that Donald Trump. You know, under for the for the special verdict form, did he sexually abuse her? Yes. Did he rape her? Because of the as as the former, um, as Karen, you'll you'll tell our audience again as a former sex uh, a sex crimes prosecutor, you know New York is in the minority, and you have to use your penis to rape somebody and not a finger. And most states don't have that, that that issue, so they said, well, she was a little bit unclear. She had her eyes closed. She didn't know if it was a penis or a finger. Leave that for another day and therefore uh yes on sex abuse inconclusive on rape yes on defamation yes on punitive damages where do we sign and that was two and a half hours who had the tuna salad who had the taco bowl okay everybody's out (laughs) the fastest jury is they like set a land speed record in 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 finding against him only donald trump would then use that to say i've been vindicated yes I'm not a rapist. I'm only a sex abuser. And every time she says rapist, I'm and I'm, and I'm not, because I'm a sex abuser, see the distinction? Not really. Um, I've been defamed. Including when Eugene Carroll went on television with Robbie Kaplan, friend of the podcast, her lawyer, and gave an interview and was interviewed by CNN. But before we get to that, because that's really interesting, what happened there and 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 the new retaliatory defamation case at Trump brought against the victim of his sex abuse, um, e. Jean Carroll. The government had something to say after three years of uh, sitting around about whether the U.S., the United States of America, was going to intervene in the case related to when Donald Trump used to be president, whether his defamatory or statements against e. Jean Carroll, which are all the same, they're all the same as he's saying now. I don't know her, I never know her, I don't want to know her. She's a hack. She's she's holding me hostage. She's shaking me down. I never I didn't rape her. I didn't have sexual relations with her, whatever, whatever it is. He says it to this moment. Um all of that happened. He said that when he was running when he was president. So now the Department of Justice has finally got around to saying, will they or won't they come in and give him presidential immunity for that aspect of the case, care what happened?
2: So yeah, so look, it's important to just in context understand how it works in uh, with when you're a government employee, uh, you can't really be sued for actions that you take in as a government employee uh, if it's in the course and scope of your duties and so what they do so what happens is this is called the westfall act and and if the department of justice finds that if if you get sued and you know in a civil civil suit not criminal right if you get sued by somebody if you were a government employee and it was in the course and scope of your duties the Department of Justice will certify under the Westfall Act and intervene. And what they do, what that means is they substitute the United States for the uh, defendant in the case. And the United States cannot be sued in a, you know, cannot be sued civilly. So in this type of context, and so what happens is basically it confers immunity on the defendant. And so Bill Barr, who was Donald Trump's uh, um, attorney general, he said at the time that he felt that uh, that the Department of Justice um, was going to intervene under the Westfall Act. Now, Judge Kaplan, this this had sort of a circuitous, you know, went went through a whole thing where um, you know Barr invoked the Westfall Act, uh, but then. Uh, which means because this case was originally brought in state court, so when Barr invoked the Westfall Act, it then got moved to federal court, and Judge Lewis Kaplan disagreed that this that that Donald Trump was an employee and uh, that this was in the course and scope of his employment, but Trump appealed it to the Second Circuit, which is the appellate court uh, above um, above uh, Judge Kaplan. And they said, no, he is an employee, the president is an employee, but the question of whether this is in the scope of his duties and in his job, that's a question that we have to ask the D.C., the Washington, D.C. State Court of Appeals, to clarify under state law or DC law. And uh, and so we had to wait for that decision. And and what they said in Washington, DC, what that that Court of Appeals said, you know what, that's a fact-based analysis that focuses on the state of mind of the individual, okay, so Donald Trump, and whether or not it was in furtherance of the job. So it's not automatic, just because, you know, on the one hand, you can make the argument that, Look, you know, he was he was president of the United States at the time. You know, when you're trying to decide, is this in the course and scope of your duties? Right? He was working that day. He was, you know, with his gaggle of press, you know, people going on to I can't remember if it was Air Force One or Marine One. You know, he was he, or getting off. He was, you know, in transit, and he was answering questions about work. And you know, it was clearly during. A work event and he was answering a question Uh, and so you know there was a a question there is that in the course and scope of his duties and and so what's what this now does is this says you know what this goes to the jury to decide the jury this is a jury decision and it's going to trial but what's interesting that happened here is um, Merrick Garland originally said he was going to stand by Barr's determination and continue and, and agree that the Westfall Act applies here has now decided that based on new information okay including the fact that Donald Trump keeps making these these defamatory statements right so it's not like he was just answering questions and that was it he keeps making these statements over and over and over and over again including new ones that the, the U.S. will no longer, uh, under the Westfall Act, certify that Donald Trump was acting within the course and scope of his employment. And they go on and say, you know, was the employee motivated to serve the purpose of the employer and what was on his mind and what was his subjective intent? And there's no evidence about his state of mind, which is why it has to go before a, jur- uh, a jury. Um You know, and they also said, you know, look, even though these statements may have been made during his official duties and using official channels, you know, in a work context, Context: They were purely personal in nature, right? He, this this happened decades before. This was a sexual assault, and you know that. And and again, his his statements continued well after he left office. So, you know, as a result, the DOJ is no longer they are declining to certify. So, bottom line is, you know, the issue here that you've said all along, Popak, is because they've already found that he sexually assaulted her, and these statements are defamatory. That it's really all about damages, you know, and what they will be and what the punitive damages will be. But, you know, my question to you is given the fact that he has made this malicious, horrific uh, counterclaim against a sexual assault victim, you know, in, in this suit, um, you know, basically saying that, you know, look, she's not a lawyer. She, she might not know that New York law is, is so precise. You know, most people, when somebody violently violates you, you know, and puts, shoves their body part into her vagina, you know, most was raped. And, you know, just because that doesn't fit the statutory definition in New York of, of the technical definition of rape, you know, that is a rape. He raped her. And so, you know, the fact that he would claim, you know, that do a countersuit against her saying she defamed him yeah. is so outrageous that, you know, I hope you can explain exactly how that works and, and what will happen at the trial um, with respect yeah. to his counterclaim.
1: Yeah, and I do a hot take on it. I think we're running it a little bit later today to kind of really dig into it. But let me give the high level part of it here. Let me first pick up with something where you left off on the immunity thing, and then I'll bounce into the motion practice, the motion to dismiss against this retaliatory attempt to chill um, her First Amendment speech, her her authenticity, her right to reclaim her dignity, which is all that happened on the CNN interview. Um, she had every right to talk about, which was her her opinion and her feelings about the jury verdict without that doesn't mean she defamed anybody um, on the Department of Justice. I mean, look, two administrations, starting with with Trump administration and then and then the Biden administration at least the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland, because they're trying to they're trying to protect principles that go even beyond this this former occupant of the White House. Right. They, they have to stand on certain principles like, well, we know we don't want to we are holding our nose for this guy, but we don't like the precedent of having, you know, this issue, you know, having the Westfall immunity not apply to certain things. So that that's why they've been for some people on the wrong side of the net related to. I do love the fact, as you noted, that they pointed out. Let's look at the continuum of his actions, both while he was president and after, to answer the question that we have to answer based on the appellate court's ruling in the District of Columbia Court of Appeals, not the federal court, but the territory of the District of Columbia's highest appellate court, which is, was the conduct, in this case, faming her, actuated? at least in part by a purpose to serve the people in the US government. That's the phrase. Actuated at least in part by a purpose to serve. So there's two components to that. One is the quantum, right? How much of what he said was because he was protecting the office of the presidency and doing his civic duty as president, and how much of it was just private BS <clears throat> about activities that happened before he was president and then what was the purpose so it's a quantum element and purpose element and they pointed to his continued social media postings in which he goes after her the same way now the same way today as he went after her then to say well well, if you're doing the same thing then and the same thing now and the same thing then and hopefully we can put up some of these posts here while, while we're there we are right there this was, this was this morning, right? So they compared that and earlier ones that were identical, and I'll read some of these out loud, to what he said as president and said, see, he's not serving as president in this role because he's doing it now when he's not president. So I love Donald Trump. He has a three-part social media posting, and he puts it down as page one. I don't know why it's pages. It's screens, if it's anything. Page two and page three. Page one. The Department of Justice will not defend me and the E. Jean Carroll civil case. You can bet your sweet ass they're not, which is all a part of the political witch hunt lawyered up by a political operative who I just beat in another case. I'm not sure who that is. Financed by a big political funder. So he's saying the political operative is E. Jean Carroll because her law firm took some some minor cost funding from the founder of LinkedIn. It's like Donald Trump uses Save America Pact to pay millions and tens of millions of dollars to people uh, for his for his law his law defense. Okay, so that's that's who he's referring to there. By e. the way, Popok, I yeah. think he
2: I think he says who I who I beat in a prior case. I think he's referring to the he fact is. that the rape. Yeah, he, he, he thinks he he thinks he won.
1: He thinks he was vindicated because he was, a, he was a judge, a sex abuser, and not a rapist. So that's the person he beat in the prior case. She's a political operative because she's a Democrat, okay? And she took, she didn't take it. Her law firm had some of their costs defrayed because they were doing this for on a contingency basis, meaning they weren't getting paid. And there's a lot of costs in cases like this, hundreds of thousands of dollars of deposition transcripts and experts and all this thing. And so Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn paid some of that? Okay, so what? Who Um, takes that as a win? Just, just, who, who thinks? An insane (laughs) narcissist, megalomaniacal former president. He then, he then goes on to say that he was, and judged by a Clinton appointee. Okay, all federal judges are appointed by some president, including a number that were appointed by Trump, who truly hates Trump. I love when he talks about himself in the third person. The statements that I made about Carol are all true. Nope, here we go. Didn't know her, didn't, didn't sexually abuse her. Wouldn't, she's not my type. I didn't rape her. I won that at trial. Here's your point, Karen. I won. I'm only a sex abuser. And other than for this case, I have no idea who she is, what she looks like, or anything about her. And he goes on to say, the Carroll Civil case against me is a miscarriage of justice and a total scam. Trial was very unfair. A trial that he did not attend. A trial that he chose not to testify in either though he didn't have a criminal case against him, so there was no fifth amendment problem. He just chose not to attend. He acted at a press conference in Scotland when he was at a golf course, like, Oh, I'm I'm heading back to, to to testify or to attend. Never did.
2: Can anyone, put, just really quick, can it, somebody point out? He says he's too busy, you know, to to um, go to trial in Mar-a-Lago. He can't possibly do it because he's running for office. Well, how how come he has so much time to play golf all the time? He's always on a golf course. He's not right. that busy.
1: Well, he's not employed. To be honest, he's not. He doesn't have a job. Um, uh, and then he goes on to say in this in this social media post. Um, I, I I was unable to I, and, oh the trial was very unfair with the other side being able to and present virtually anything they wanted. yeah, the judge ruled against you on a number of evidentiary issues. You had no witnesses, she had eleven witnesses, you had no expert, she had two experts. She testified, and you didn't. Any wonder the jury ruled in two and a half hours against you? Uh, an out of control judge—that's judge. The same judge is going to be deciding all these issues. My lawyers, due to their respect for the office of the president, oh here we go—he's deluded again. Skipper thinks he's the president again, and the incredulity of the case did not want me to testify. Oh here we go. This is now. If you let, let's blow that apart. Joe Tacapina said, "You know what I'm dealing with here, judge," and the judge says, "Yes, I do." I'm going to give you one more chance to get your, if he wants to testify, he shows up Monday or not, or he's waived his right to testify. That's now been misinterpreted by uh, Trump in lying to his, 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 uh, the people that his sycophants, his cult followers as being, I wanted to testify, but out of respect for the office of the president, he did all this in 1996. The The only office he occupied was some bachelor pad, Uh, you know, at Trump Tower across the street from the department store where he sexually abused her. And then he he ends it with the net result of this horrible injustice and a completely unknown to me woman made up a ridiculous story. I'll remind everybody that there is a nice photo of him meeting her laughing at a gala along with her husband, who was then a very well-known John uh, John Johnson, who was a very well-known, uh, a- do you remember him on ABC News? He was a very well-known uh, newscaster. And he was. And that's the famous photo from the deposition where he mistook E. Jean Carroll for his other wife. He was standing next to Ivana, but mistook her for his other wife, um, Marla, uh, Maples. Marla Maples. He, Can you he imagine? Thought he, he thought he was in a photo with his current wife and his future wife and some random African-American man. When Can it was you think- really think? A-
2: Can you think, Popak, no, no, can you think of a greater gift? If you're Robbie Kaplan deposing Donald Trump and you show him that picture and he mistakes her for Marla (laughs) Maples? can you, can you, Robbie Kaplan must have been like, thank you, God, that is the greatest (laughs) answer like that doesn't no, happen. A that, that That's no, no, like no, Perry no. Mason stuff that happens, like <laughs> you
1: know, on, on TV. It's like yeah. Law and Order, where you where you sometimes work. <laughs> the the and then of course everybody in that room knew that Grandpa Trump. He keeps making fun of Biden because he gets tongue tied occasionally, occasionally as a as a lifelong stutterer, and because he's eighty, he made fun of him saying, "Oh, he's losing it." Really? How about you? you grandpa you thought both your wives were in the same photo at the same time and it was so bad that alina haba jumped in like the nurse to say uh that's Carol." i mean not you know i would have jumped out i mean i give a lot of credit to robbie for holding her fire because i would have said miss miss uh haba you are interfering with the you're littering and polluting my transcript. She just I there. said,
2: Miss Hava, you can't put
1: the toothpaste
2: back in the tube. <laughs> <laughs> that's Whatever.
1: Carol. And then he said that that's we have the transcript. That's Carol. Yeah, that's Carol. That's Jean Carol, you lunkhead. Just destroyed your own case. Are we going to play this? Oh, God, please. <laughs> <laughs> Salty, doing. we? Oh, we're not going to play. Salty just told me he just burst my bubble. But there it is when he was testifying. All right. So now let's talk about the motion to dismiss briefly. He files a retaliatory strike against E. Jean Carroll because she went on CNN. And in a five minute interview, the, a reporter turned to her with Robbie Kaplan, her lawyer, next to her and said, What was your reaction inside you when you heard? The jury returned the verdict in finding sexual abuse, yes, but rape, no. And she, very authentically and really, to reclaim her dignity, because it's true, said, I thought, that's not true, he raped me. But I'll leave it to my lawyer to talk about the legalities of it. She was very polished in this on this point. That is all true. Her opinion is true. What she felt is true. She can disagree with the jury that she's allowed to say that. And, and, and she's allowed to say also the other aspect of the affirmation case is that Joe Takapina came over to her at the end of the trial to shake her hand because he was trying to be chivalrous in some way um, and he, she said to him he did it meaning Donald Trump and you know he did it and she walked out and that it for Donald Trump was the last straw because that's him that's her calling him a rapist again But the motion to dismiss, which is scathing against Donald Trump, and says, just repeats all the evidence against him, you know, methodically, painstakingly, what the jury was told about the sexual assault, the abuse, the rape, the whole thing. And then says to the judge, look, Southern District of New York sits in the Second Circuit for appeal. And Second Circuit has clearly said that defamation cases are special. if you have somebody like Donald Trump bringing a defamation case against a victim like this power disparity it's often seen as a chilling attempt to to, uh, stop First Amendment speech proper First Amendment speech and you can decide this right now at the pleading stage you don't have to wait for summary judgment you don't have to wait for discovery do it now judge because otherwise you're going to be rewarding him for weaponizing defamation law. She was only fairly reporting what happened in the courtroom, and there's a privilege for that in defamation law. She was giving her honest opinion, and and whatever she said was substantially true, substantially true, because sexual abuse versus rape to the average person is really the same thing. And the thing about Joe Tacopina, she just said it, and that can't be the basis. And then finally, because Donald Trump is Donald Trump, and Jean Carroll is Jean Carroll, in order for her to defame him, she, he, has to, he has to prove that it was done with actual malice, meaning that she knew what she was saying was false and or recklessly disregarded the truth or falsity. And she they told the judge in the motion to dismiss, he'll, she'll never, he'll never be able to do that. Dismiss the case now. I think this case, a case against Eugene Carroll, gets dismissed right now by Lewis Kaplan, and then we move on. I think just for... You know, shits and giggles. <laughs> we have the video of Donald Trump staking E. Jean Carroll, the woman he said he didn't know, for his own at least second wife in a in the video. Let's go and then Alina. Hey, play it. Come on, we let's
2: gotta play. I don't even know who the woman. Let's see. I don't know who. Th- it's Marla. You saying Marla's in this photo? That's Marla, yeah. That's, that's my wife. Which one, woman are you pointing to? No. Here.
1: Carol. Oh, so that, the oh, person okay. you just pointed to was oh, E. Carroll. Who's that? Who's this? The point, your wife. And the person, the woman on the right, is your then wife? I don't Ivana? know, this was the picture.
2: Ivana. I assume that's John Johnson. Is that that's Carol? Because it's very blurry.
1: Yeah. Okay, first of all, he stares at the photo. He didn't glance at it. He stared at it for a good minute or two. And then he said, because, you know, he's the smartest guy in the room. Well, that's uh, Marla. (laughs) The picture, which we 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 could find also, he's standing next to Ivana. Right? So you see Ivana with a big boof of blonde hair and her mink coat. And he's there. And then you see straight in the middle of the shot a very young, at or around the time of it, and he keeps talking about, you know, I wouldn't sexually abuse a 78 year old. Well, first of all, you're 78 and we're not talking about now. We're talking about in 1996. So here's the photo in or around 1996 or the late 80s, what she looked like. And yes, it is his type because he thought it was Marla Maples. Only he's delusional enough to think he's got two wives in the same photo. That's what I'm going to
2: No, it was blurry. It was blurry.
1: Okay. Let's let the audience. By the
2: way, that's, that's the least, that's the least blurry photo I've ever seen.
1: That is the clearest. You would think in 1985, this was like high def iPhone. Okay. This was, that's because it was a photographer, a real photographer, the real camera, you kids out there, we used to have cameras. This is a real photo. That is John Johnson, who is a celebrity local newscaster on ABC News here in New York. On the right, with the big boof, is the late Ivana Trump, and on and looking right at Donald Trump and smiling along with John Johnson because Donald Trump said something funny, I guess. Is Eugene Carroll, not Marla Maples? That's wow. why he lost. That's why he lost this case. That was put up in front of the jury, and that's why he's a total buffoon and a liar. So that's what's going on on Seven Eleven. Two filings. Department of Justice gave him one gift, which is you're on your own, Don. No, no sovereign, no presidential immunity for what you said when you were president, because you're outside the scope of your employment duties. And motion to dismiss, which will likely be granted. Next step is, um, I guess the I guess the Trump's going to argue somehow that he's entitled to immunity. The judge is going to have to decide, but that's up to the Department of Justice. That's up to the U.S. government whether they're going to assert immunity. They can't get an appellate court. I mean, he can. He can try to take an appeal. But it, but it's not happening. He's going to go to trial in E. Jean Carroll, Roman numeral one, on a $10 million punitive damage case at least in the next several months. And you and I are going to be here to report on it. But before we go, of all places, thank God, Georgia, I got Georgia on my mind I'm talking about a real grand jury that's got the power to indict that has now been selected. Two separate grand juries side by side. We'll talk about those and what happens on Tuesday when they meet. Start considering the evidence against Donald Trump brought by Fawny Willis, the Fulton County prosecutor. But first, you need them. you need them to keep the show on the air. A word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Miracle Made Sheets. Whether you want to get more fit, be a better parent, or get more done at work, there is one thing that will help, and that's better sleep. With Miracle-Made Sheets, you can tap into the power of self-cooling temperature regulation, which has been shown to improve deep sleep quality by over 20%. Using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle-Made Sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. Go to trymiracle.com/legalaf to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And with Mother's and Father's Day right around the corner, this is the perfect way to give someone you love the gift of better and more luxurious sleep. Save over forty percent, and be sure to use our promo code LegalAF at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Miracle is so confident in their product, they backed it with a thirty-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com/legalaf and use the code legalaf to claim your free 3-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com/legalaf to treat yourself. Thanks again to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. When it comes to privacy, people tend to focus on things like tracking cookies and browsing history. But protecting your email privacy is even more important because emails contain a lot of personal and sensitive details, such as financial and health information or login credentials that you don't want falling into the wrong hands. That's why I use Startmail, the secure email service that keeps your inbox safe. Every day, millions of people unknowingly risk their sensitive information through insecure email communication. Regular emails are like open postcards, accessible to cyber criminals, companies, and even government agencies. Your free email provider has extensive knowledge about you, including your purchases, web activity, YouTube searches, reservations, subscriptions, and location history. Gmail, Yahoo, and the other popular services, they scan and analyze the content of your emails to generate targeted ads. They also keep copies of your emails, sometimes for months after you deleted them. This means that any email can be retrieved from your account if needed and shared with third parties, such as government agencies. If you're sick of all this nonsense, then you need to give Start Mail a try. StartMail makes it so easy you can enjoy secure email communication without surveillance or ads. StartMail ensures your inbox is protected with advanced security features. Plus, you get 20 gigabytes of email storage, surpassing what free providers like Gmail offer. StartMail has world-class encryption for confidentiality, which allows you to send encrypted emails even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. Your confidential messages stay private. And when you delete an email, it's gone forever. Switching to Start Mail is hassle-free and it's easy migration tool allows you to move your emails and contacts from Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and other providers with just a few clicks. Our daily lives rely on the internet. Email privacy is crucial to protect personal and sensitive information from unauthorized access. Protecting your information is about safeguarding your rights to free speech and association, not about having something to hide. Sign up today and save 50% on your first subscription year. Go to startmail.com slash legal AF and join tens of thousands of people who trust StartMail for their email security needs. That's StartMail with a T, startmail.com slash legal AF for 50% off. And we're back. <laughs> Support our sponsors. I know people are like, oh, there's another ad. Thank God there's another ad because it keeps the network alive. It keeps the content coming to you flowing the way that you like it. You don't pay for this. It's free subscription to the Midas Touch YouTube channel and audio podcasts are free. But, uh, you know, we got costs, and so our, our yeah, sponsors and, our, and we got huh?
2: salty it pays for salty who well, that's a cost look how great so. but, <laughs> but here, you and I, but no, but look, you and I go off on these tangents, and you know we start talking about stuff, and he finds the videos and the clips, and the you know he 's just right up there with everything so and, you know and
1: these and these sponsors are supporting pro democracy progressive. You know ideals the way that we you know we curate our sponsors we don't we don't take them all we like the ones that are supporting us and so all right enough enough of that let's get a georgia Popuck. all right here we go i'll frame it turn it over to the prosecutor and um and then here we are Fawny willis in march got it was it march was able after seven months of a special purpose grand jury to get a report and recommendation and and a referral, if you will, of of, um, Georgia election interference crimes committed by Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, and others, uh, including the fake electors, the head of the GOP, the Republican Party in Georgia. A lot of different people were targets of the special purpose grand jury to help Phony Willis make the ultimate prosecutorial decision which is her decision to make in Atlanta, about whether to seek the indictment of a president. Now, by the time that started, we, we're now talking about these things in the middle of July. That former president has already been indicted twice. <laughs> so breaking the glass ceiling is a little, is a little bit less. Um, it's important, but it's, it's not as shocking as it was now that uh, Alvin Bragg in the Manhattan DA's office and Jack Smith's team have already gone forward. But very, very important because Phony Willis is not only, we believe, looking at Georgia election interference starting with the phone call, Rudy Giuliani made, that Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, and and Donald Trump made throughout the state, but particularly the Mark Meadows and Donald Trump phone call, searching for eleven thousand seven hundred and fifty eight votes between friends. Let's throw out some ballots. Let's throw out some absentee ballots. Let's throw out democracy. While we're at it. Um, and all the other things that happened in the state, including led by Rudy Giuliani and the courthouses, and setting up the fake electors, and then plugging that into six other battleground states, because, you know, like a like a uh, Marvel uh, a Marvel movie, you know, Donald Trump needed all seven jewels in order to have the power to destroy the Earth, and so he needed Arizona and Michigan and Pennsylvania and and um, and Georgia, and uh, so. She is bringing a conspiracy, we believe, count case against Donald Trump. That's what she's fashioning. She has a civil RICO expert, Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organization Act, which used to go after the organized crime and the mafia, but it's going to be used against Donald Trump to tie together all of these disparate acts, conducts, and people in one speaking indictment. That wasn't in March, because that, That grand jury was advisory, but then she takes that report, Fonnie Willis and her team in Atlanta, Fulton County, and then she said indictments are imminent, and by imminent she meant, I guess, August or September, because she's continuing to develop evidence in the case. She's got more cooperating witnesses, including a lot, if not all, of the fake electors who have all said, we don't want to go to jail for Donald Trump. We'd rather cooperate with the prosecutor. Good idea. And others, Lindsey Graham has testified, and and Rudy Giuliani went and talked to the special purpose grand jury. So she's going to be able to use the seventy five witnesses that already went before the special purpose grand jury and their testimony, which has been recorded, at least transcripts, and use that in Georgia, because Georgia, unlike other places like New York, it hearsay is okay. So you don't have to have the live witness. It's okay if one one person in her office sits there and says, I'm now going to be Rudy Giuliani. This was Rudy Giuliani's testimony. Question, whatever that question, answer. And that goes on for an hour or two until you, you bore the grand jury to death. You also can bring in live witnesses, of course, to supplement all that work. She's not going to walk away from seven months of work and a report and witness transcripts of seventy-five people that she already developed, Phony Willis. She's going to bring that across the street to a new grand jury, a new grand jury that, as of yesterday, is seated, and there's two of them, twenty-six apiece. You got fifty-two total grand jurors, and one of the reasons is, first of all, you need to have a. Re- this is the regular grand jury, meaning. Hard variety crime that goes on in Fulton County needs to have indictment through grand jury. So you bring in the larceny, the battery, the murder, the kidnapping, the whatever, you know. And on, you know, on, on, you know, they meet twice a week, for a couple of months. Um, so these two grand juries are necessary. Just. Because of the volume of crime that's in cities, they got to have these grand juries running. And like one day they'll be, or one part of the day, it'll be like, let's talk, you know, indictment related to, you know, like uh, somebody brutally beat up somebody else. Okay, fine. And then it'll be like, okay, now we're doing the Donald Trump one. And we're bringing in the witnesses. Same grand jury, just wear a different hat. In order for the grand jury to, um, and and why there's two of them is because one is going to be doing a lot of full time Donald Trump. And the other is going to be doing the other ordinary crime, garden variety crime that happened in Fulton County that needs to have prosecutors seek indictments. We don't know which is which yet. They don't know which is which yet. Uh, the, when a ju- On Tuesday when they get to work and there's a new judge assigned to oversee that process, we'll know which is which. I'm going to do one last stat and turn it over to our former prosecutor, Karen for those that are wondering as i as i opened the podcast how many do you need for a quorum in other words how many have to be there to meet in order to do business of the grand jury and how many do you need for an indictment so out of the 20 out of the 26 you need at least 16 to be present so 10 can be absent um, at any given moment when evidence is being presented and all of that that's a quorum for the grand jury to do its work if they got 15 they can't they don't have a minion they for for the people that are jewish out there they don't they can't they can't do it oh we got to get that 16th person get that person in the box okay now i can present my evidence if i'm the, if i'm the prosecutor but if they have 16 or more up to 26 they can go forward and that's a that's a grand jury day that's a that's a day of presenting evidence witnesses reading things from the special purpose grand jury report and all that then on the day they seek the indictment got to get 12 out of 16 have to be the 16 there for the quorum and 12 have to raise their hand and say i indict so four can hold out this is this is fulton county georgia this is a democratic bastion and she seeks that indictment of donald trump which she's going to do she is going to get an indictment of donald trump for civil conspiracy and fraud and uh, election interference no doubt we'll, we'll continue to cover it as we go along what did you make of the pictures that have come out About The grand jury process already. The seating of two grand juries. You've been in front of grand juries. You've done high profile. There's there's Fonnie Willis right there real time coming into the courtroom. The grand jury with her team. Um, You've done it, Karen. Uh, And talk about grand jury process, how you interact with them. How does that differ from a regular grand jury in terms of how you treat them, information that you give them? Kind of let people in under the hood of the grand jury process from your perspective.
2: Yeah, sure. So I've presented, I would say, thousands of cases before a grand jury. I've been in many, you know, thousands of grand juries. I've even impaneled grand juries, which is what the process is called when you choose a grand jury and you make them an official body. So this is, I've done this more than almost any other thing in my entire career. So let's talk a little bit about what a grand jury is and what it's not. So a grand jury is not the same as a regular jury or what they call a petit jury, a trial jury. Um, they're very different. So a trial jury uh, in a criminal case is the jury that hears the ultimate facts at the end. And what they actually hear is um, a much more fulsome presentation where there's both direct examination, you know, the the statements that the, from the prosecutor side and cross-examination. And they have to uh, find unanimously beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's the legal standard, right? It's beyond a reasonable doubt. A grand jury is very different. A grand jury is um, a charging body. It's it's literally what you do is you present evidence to see if there's sufficient evidence to charge someone with a crime, and the standard there is much lower. It's not beyond a reasonable doubt. It's a probable cause or a reasonable cause to believe that a crime occurred. Uh, they there is no opening statement. There's no closing argument, and there's no cross examination. It's just a you you. Uh, Um, they listen to evidence and the and it's the evidence that the prosecutor presents and a defendant has a right to testify in the grand jury as well if they want they have to waive immunity uh, if you're in a grand jury that confers immunity and that's what they do in new york if anyone who goes into a grand jury gets automatic immunity for those crimes and so you have to be careful who you put in unless they waive immunity including a defendant now um here what what the way it works with a grand jury is just like any other jury you get a summons and you show up for jury duty and you are told you are part of the grand jury or you are part of the you know petit jury the, the trial jury and and you know the fact that they impaneled two grand juries uh, is still not necessarily that much because in New York, for example, in Man- just in Manhattan alone, you know, New York City is five different boroughs, right? It's it's Manhattan, Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. And in Manhattan alone, uh, we would have we have four, five, six grand juries going at all times. It just depends because of, of a volume. And so, you know, she has two grand juries that are going, and and you know, in, again in Manhattan they sit. Some of them all day, every day. Some just the mornings, five days a week. Some just the afternoons, five days a week. It's just really a matter of uh, scheduling. But you will know when you are serving grand jury exactly how long it's going to be, what days you are going to serve, and you are there to hear this evidence and determine if there's probable cause. Again, it's a much lower standard. It's not like and so it's not like you know beyond a reasonable doubt like at a trial. So you know that's why they call it bare bones typically, because you don't have to present everything. You present just enough uh, that the jury needs to make an, an indictment. Now, in a case like this, where they're going to charge RICO and or conspiracy, as well as the other charges, this is fairly complicated. They are going to hear, get lots of evidence, whether through documents, whether through live witnesses or whether through um, the reading of the report or summarizing the report or the witnesses that testified for the special grand jury that you talked about. It's going to take, uh, take some time. Um, and the way it works is uh, here. So they, they um, picked 26 grand jurors per grand jury. So there's 23 who are the actual jurors and three alternates. So the three alternates who are going to sit there aren't going to do anything unless they, ha- unless someone who is a juror can know longer serve and then they are substituted in uh, and and the way it works in the grand jury is grand jurors can ask questions, and they can participate. But it's really more of a passive, you sit there, and you listen, and the prosecutor asks questions of the witnesses. Uh, So there's really only 23 grand jurors who are impaneled at a time. And as you said, for there to be an indictment, there has to be a quorum, which is at least 16 present. It's not just actually for an indictment, it's also to hear evidence, you know, the grand jury can't function as a grand jury unless there's at least 16 of the 23 that's called a quorum and if they have a quorum then you can present evidence and then as you said to get an indictment you need 12 uh, 12 votes in favor now a couple of things first of all nobody is ever going to take a vote if there's only unless it's like an emergency no one's going to take a vote if there's only 16 of the 12 present you're going to want the whole grand jury there for a few reasons number one uh, you, sometimes, occasionally, a grand jury, a grand juror will miss a day here or there of testimony, right? The doctor's appointment, they'll be sick, whatever. And there's a, a roll call sheet. And you can only vote, a grand juror can only vote on a case if they were present for all material evidence, right? Anything that's material. So, you know, a, a prosecutor's not going to take the risk if there's only 16 present that what if, you know, a couple of them were miss you know weren't there and a, and a judge disagrees with me and rules that you know what this is mater- this was material that they missed i thought it was ministerial but it's material no one's going to take that risk the other risk a prosecutor's not going to take is you know you're counting on 12 people to vote out of 16. You know, you're not going to want to, you know, they're, they're good odds, but they're not perfect. Right. In a case like this, I think you're going to encourage the grand jury to all be there all the time. And you're going to want as many as possible uh, in order to ask them for a vote. Um So, you know, that's what's going to to happen here. Uh, You know, next week, um, um, Judge McBurney uh, is going, you know, well, he he already explained to them their responsibilities and, uh, and, you know, the purpose, et cetera. And next week when they start, you know, if they haven't already, they're going to be sworn in. And then there's initial charging that happens, right? That you then and in New York, I guess, yeah, I guess there, Fonnie Willis and the judge already did it. In New York, the prosecutor does it. There is no judge. Uh, the uh, the only function that the judge does in New York is is he's there for the selection and for the swearing in. And then they go into the grand jury. And then the prosecutor is the one who charges them on the law in New Nick
1: York. Bernie's out after after yesterday. He's okay. a, a new presiding uh, judge. Will be over the two grand juries. Interesting.
2: And so, you know, so that that's what it's, that's how it's going to go. And, you know, I think that we will see, you know, Fannie Willis has very loudly signaled exactly when this is going to happen. She's shutting down the courthouse when it happens the, she's letting law enforcement be ready. And um, and I think that's great. I think she's also signaling to Jack Smith that you know if you want to go first, this is you know you better do it be- before. And I think there's reasons why she'd want him to go first. I think one of them is you know there is this policy at the Department of Justice called the Pettit policy, which means if there's state court went first there's a policy to stand down now it's only a policy you can override it but again jack smith and merrick garland they're not going to want to look like they've done anything special here they're going to want to go first they're not going to want to say that we're going against our policy even though they can because it's not a law or a rule they're not going to want to be put in that position so i think we're going to see jack smith go before before fonnie willis uh brings this case i think I think Fonnie Willis' case is going to be sweeping. I think it's going, in addition to all the charges that you talked about, I think it's going to be lots of people. Um, I think you're going to see uh, you're going to see lots of defendants here and I think it's going to be you know a sweeping indictment that focuses on the, the nationwide fake elector scheme that Georgia was one of the uh, you know was one of the jurisdictions where it happened with the you know find me the eleven hundred eleven thousand
1: seven hundred and eighty votes yeah no I, that's where that little bit of competition for justice is going to happen because we know Jack Smith is looking at the seven battleground states and the fake electors and Phony Willis signaled. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how much dialogue the Department of Justice and Fulton County DA have had, but she's told the world that she's also expanded hers because she's right. Georgia was one of seven places that Donald Trump tried to falsely and fraudulently interfere with the election. He didn't make just one. You know, when we first started the show, or, you know, I don't mean this show, although this show, <laughs> this show is going on. Uh, when we first started the show, you know you we were always talking about um, the phone call that Donald Trump made to, you know, Brad Raffensperger to talk about, um, you know, can we just find 11000 votes? Turns out that wasn't the only phone call that Donald Trump made. He made one to Arizona. He made one to Pennsylvania. I mean, Donald Trump violated every rule that he lived his life by that Roy Cohen had taught him his, his former fixer before Michael Cohen. Roy Cohen told him, don't put anything in writing. Don't make any phone calls yourself, and use buffers. And he did that his whole life in business. That's why he was ripping up presidential records, you know, to the to the uh, sh- to the aghast response of his staff, who who then scurried to like paste it back together again after he left the room when he was president, because he had always done that when he was in business. He never wrote anything, he took that stupid sharpie and would write a one liner on it. But he never made phone calls. He got so desperate. and Thank God he did, because that's the evidence we need to convict him. He got so desperate at the end to stay in power when the reality that to, to quote him, I can't believe I lost that guy, that guy being Joe Biden and the proper election. Yeah, you lost. And but he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't accept it. Sort of picking up the phone himself. Multiple phone calls, some of which got recorded, all of which got noted in some way. This And that's that battle between Faunee Willis and um, Jack Smith about who's going to do the big, giant, Rico civil case, uh, this sprawling case with witnesses and documents and states involved, him or her. And um, I think you're right. It, I think it's going to be uh, Jack uh, soon. You, I know you thought last week. I thought this week, maybe next week. But I think it's a July before funny gets out of the shoot completely a case. And so to answer the question in the, in the chat, what happens to Fonny? Fonny Willis says hers will be stayed. It'll be abated while it doesn't get. Cancelled out necessarily until the federal case goes forward, and then Phony Wells continues to try her case um, after she after she's reached her indictment. But look, Aaron and I will follow these things the way we have, hopefully meticulously putting together and you know, tying together and painting together all the little dots dots that you know we're discovering our fan base, our followers, listeners, and audience are following and sending to us. We, we, you know, we, we have a lot of dialogue with people that are here on the chat tonight and also, you know, in our own, our own, um, social media, uh, you can follow me on all things, social media, including threads at MS popok. Karen, I know you're on threads as well. Give your social media handle.
2: I think I'm Karen Agnifilo on Threads because you, your handle has to be the same as your Instagram handle. That's how it works. So I don't
1: you're, know. I your KFA legal everywhere on, else
2: on yeah on but on
1: Threads. On, you're what
2: Karen at Karen Agnifilo.
1: Oh, okay. So you know we're trying to use threads, <laughs> you know, I'd love to get off of Twitter, but for right now, I would love t- to
2: get off of Twitter too. I, yeah. you we're know, it's places. funny cause people are like, well, I don't understand, you know, you're just going from one, you know, megalomaniac billionaire to another. And I understand the concern and the issue, but you know, just the hate speech and, you know, other things that, uh, that Elon Musk is, Bringing into Twitter, I do think at least the at least Threads says they're going to be much more responsible and have a policing function for the hate speech and you know the misinformation. So I think for that reason alone, I think it's just time for something
1: new. And we're all scrambling to try to figure out what's the next thing that's going to be where we what's the reef that all the cool fish can hang out on. We don't know what it is yet. I mean, back when LinkedIn. LinkedIn is now the dominant business, you know, social network. Okay. When LinkedIn first came out, I don't know if you remember this, Karen, because you were, you know, you and I were doing the same thing. There were so many competitors for LinkedIn, and I get all these weird invitations from join me on this one and join me on and I was like, oh my God, how many are there? And then LinkedIn leapt to the leapt to the front, crushed the other ones. Everybody just stayed there. And that's what happened with Twitter. Wasn't that it was the best or greatest with the word limit and the whole thing? It was sort of hokey, but it's where everybody just gravitated to, and it got a, it got you know uh, um, a center of gravity about it, and everybody just stayed there. We're trying to find the next thing. I'm not here to plug anybody else, but you know, you know, um, uh, Threads just did sign up 150 million people in a week and a half or whatever it is, so. Yes, it is one evil billionaire against another, but that's who owns media companies, except for the Midas Touch Network, which we don't take outside money, which is why we have sponsors. Haven't I rounded that out nicely to end our show?
2: Yes, and you can always find us on YouTube, as Salty just reminded us in the chat.
1: And you can always find us on YouTube for free subscription only on the Midas Touch Network we've reached the end of another midweek edition of legal AF I think we're coming up between the two the two shows on the one the, the one podcast we're coming up on like 300 in terms of our episodes it's amazing coming into summer season again but justice doesn't sleep or rest neither does Ben neither neither do I apparently neither does Karen so we're gonna keep it coming every week just like this one at the intersection of law and politics we are so grateful. For our audience who's been with us through thick and thin. It started thin. It's getting a lot thicker, which is which is good. Shout out the Midas Mighty, the Legal AFers, and Karen, as always. Although people say, yeah, you're like Ben, though. Sometimes you tell Karen she has the last word, but then you take it back. All right. It's a phrase. <laughs> Get over it. You know how many times Ben's giving me the last word and then goes on for another 25 minutes on some rant? It happens. It's the show. It's the beauty of the show. That's why we like doing it. Karen, a word.
2: <laughs> I have two questions, and then a, a comment. Okay. Question number one: What was the first date of the first legal AF <gasps> with you and Ben? And is it still available on YouTube?
1: <laughs> well, it depends. Salty's probably scrambling right now. I hear, I hear, I hear fevered fingers on on looking around. I know. I, he just said, "I am" in a chat to me. Um, it depends. It depends on how you define it. We started. Ben and I started something called, uh, just terribly named, uh, Legal Roundup. It's <laughs> just terrible. It's better um, than Raw Law. No, it wasn't Raw Law. Trust me, it was Legal Roundup. Um, thank you, Salty. It, April he, 6, twenty
2: twenty. He, he
1: says he, he dates it as April 6, twenty twenty, which is like people. It was it was a pandemic project. Okay, you know Midas Touch had just started. It had like three thousand people on it. It was so Midas Touch. I'll I'll tell secrets now. Midas Touch was really a website before it became a podcast and then a YouTube thing. And it had people on it. And they were so they needed so much content that I used to send videos from New York of like random things. And then Brett and the brothers would get it up immediately because they needed content desperately. So I'd be like, look, Super Mario go-karts going down Fifth Avenue because of the pandemic. And they'd be like, Super Mario takes over New York. Or like people not wearing masks. Remember when that was a thing in the middle of the pandemic in Washington Square Park? Look at this video. They'd put it up. Eventually, Ben and I were like, you know, we're lawyers. Maybe we should do something related. Related to the law, and I would do these little whatevers. Um, we didn't know what they were, and then we did Legal Roundup, which was much better on graphics than it was on content because Brett mycellus did the graphics. We didn't have Salty then, and we had two hundred. We had one hundred and seventy-five total. Not I'm not not thousands. We had one hundred and seventy-five total views. I think our first episode, our second one, I think was two hundred and fifty, something like that. And um, and now if you and I and Ben don't do half a million, uh, we get we're like, what did we do wrong? <laughs> what is the matter? <laughs> we, we, we're, we're doing something wrong. I'm like doing something wrong. I was in a closet with you know 254 for all I know cats and dogs watching, and we were high, we were high fiving. We're like, this is great. That's people I didn't know they tuned in. <laughs> that was the way it worked. And then and so, we were like. And then, as I said before, we were a special edition. Once the Midas Brothers podcast got popular, we were a special edition. I have a funny story about the YouTube part, and and we just started. The first fifteen episodes was just me, special edition with Ben, on, on the regular Wednesday Midas Touch, it was like, and we didn't have a name yet. And then we did Legal AF, tried Legal AF, which I came up with. And then, um, funny part is, Brett. I noticed that they, the brothers, were doing YouTube. I used to get dressed up <laughs> for the podcast until Ben broke it to me that we were only doing audio. <laughs> I'm like, well, why am I wearing a nice sweater then? Because I don't know. So I, we were only audio, and I was like, well, why are you? Why are the brothers YouTube? Oh, yeah, you know, and I think Brett, Brett thought that it would be better, like I, that I had a face made for. For radio maybe uh, and maybe brett and Ben did too so he was like no you guys are doing, doing good do audio only we don't need to see what you guys look like and then we said well no let's try youtube and then youtube took off and the rest is history and then you and i met and the what rest was that when was
2: our first episode
1: i don't know maybe four months later five months later i was like i want to do a I want to do a longer, as this has become, I want to do a longer version where we can really drill down on things and we want to get some other voices on here. I think it was like you were like 50 episodes in to the beginning. But you're, you're, you're a founder. I consider, I consider you're not like the second Darren on Bewitched. You're like you're the first Darren.
2: Second Darren, i am oh my god, that's the best ever.
1: <laughs> you're the first Darren. You're not the second. Wait, Darren.
2: what was his? They had, they had the same first name, both of them. It was,
1: it was one was Dick York and the other one was Dick Sargent. And don't is ask they? me how I remember that.
2: Okay, and how I remember that they had the same first name. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> all right, we gotta go, salty. All right, fall. we gotta
1: go. We've lost all the audience. Okay, shout out to the mighty the legal Layout, for seeing next week. See you on Saturday with the Saturday edition.